Welcome to another podcast from the Masters of Marketocracy. I have Glenn Brownworth, John Archer, Gordon Lamb, and Kyle Harden, along with yours truly, Tony Mitchell, tonight. And we're going to talk a little bit about stocks. Um, guys, uh, the market just seems to keep running. Everybody's afraid of this recession, but it's had a, a, a run that has surprised many. Uh, can it continue? What do you guys think? Glenn? I definitely think it can continue. I don't know, 3.6% unemployment, inflation's down, I think, to 3 point something, 3.8%. So, and 11 million unfilled jobs, even though a lot of that could be a skill mismatch. But still, say what you want about the economy, it seems to be working pretty well. And as long as inflation isn't going in the right direction, I don't know. I think we're doing okay right now. Not good. You know, maybe that soft landing, we're actually in the middle of it right now. Uh, that would be uh, great if we are. Anybody have a different opinion on the on the market? Anybody nervous about the market right now? Gordon, how are you feeling? Uh, I feel good about the market. Um, about, I think it was in March of this year where I basically was in a dividend portfolio. I took everything out and put it into growth. And... Uh, it seemed to have uh, worked out well. I thought it was a little bit early, but it turned out okay. Great, great. Are you still, are you still a lot in cash, Gordon? I know you were in cash the last time we spoke. No, not really. I think for my 401k, it's 100% invested. Mm -hmm. And for the portfolio that I have on the side, I think I have about 10% cash, and that's mainly for looking for some opportunities. Uh, if there's... Um, if if something happens to go down and it's good value, then I'll, I'll jump on it. Hmm. All right. Uh, but I, I'm no longer in defense mode right now. All right. That's that's good to hear. <laughs> Yesterday's CPI report. Uh, John, did you want to add to that? I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I would just uh, say a little bit about what's already been said. I think two, two podcasts ago, I, I mentioned I was 30 to 35 percent cash. Uh, in my uh, in my fund, and I'm I'm pretty much fully invested now, and I think um, I think large cap growth is the place to be. I think it'll continue to do quite well. Thank you, John. Um, I'll just add that uh, I think that we can still run. I think seasonality is in our favor right now. Actually. Um, I do have a few concerns, and, and I'm just going to hold those until uh, a, another question comes up here, because um, I did just do a little bit of selling yesterday to raise a little cash, because I was about 99, 100% invested. But I'll talk more about that uh, in one more question. I just want to touch on uh, the reports this week. We had a couple of big reports, CPI yesterday and PPI today, and they both came in lower than expected, uh, indicating inflation is slowing. Um, does everybody think that the Fed is still going to raise rates this month? As of yesterday, they were still, uh, the markets were still expecting a 90% probability that rates are still going to go up this month. Kyle, you want to take that one? Yeah, I, I think they are. I think we're, you know, we're expecting a quarter point raise later this month. I think they'll follow through with that. That's the guidance pretty much we've been given. Um, I don't see any reason why they would change that at this point. Um, I, I know there were some concerns about, you know, with the jobs report, right, and, and the amount of 
salaries that the inflation really in the salaries and trying to kind of cool off the markets to an extent. So I, I think they'll go ahead and, and do the quarter point raise. Uh, and then I think we'll probably have a bit of a pause and they'll evaluate and determine, you know, if any other raises need to be done. I, I think, you know, kind of what I know Glenn and I were saying earlier this year is we kind of expected this really taper off and end as we got into to summer, which would kind of fuel the market as, as we got into the later months. And that's still kind of what I'm, I'm seeing at this point. Does, does anybody think that they will not raise this month? I guess, that's a, I guess that's a no. Yeah. Um, and, and I I will say that uh, I I agree that I think they're going to raise a quarter point. Um. I I think part of the reason for me I I think that they could not raise, but I think that they will because they don't meet in August. They don't meet again till September. So it's it's it'll be like a two month before the next time that they would meet and raise. Of course they could raise at any time, but. They probably won't do anything until the next meeting, which is in September. And um, I think that uh, they'll raise and and, and give us uh, a little bit more dovish tone this time that, hey, we're making progress. We'll uh, wait and see, you know, where we're at um, at the next meeting. And uh, we may raise or we may not, depending, to give them the uh, the leeway either way. So um, hopefully it all works out like that, because uh, I think everybody's kind of expecting that raise, but it'd be nice to get a little dovishness to keep the market moving. Did I want to move on to the next question I have, and uh, it, and that is, this is the one I, I want to speak to, but I want to see what you guys have to say too. Is there any area or sector in particular in the market that concerns you right now? I We, we all kind of talked pretty pretty bullish here, um, but as I mentioned, there there is one area I want to talk about that's concerning me. Does anybody have any areas that you're you're staying away from or you're concerned? Obviously, the the tech heavy Nasdaq has been what's running and driving most of the gains. Um, any how are you guys playing this right now? Well, as much as I love Nvidia, they are up 300 bucks in nine months. So I still think they have room to run, but still it's it's taken off. I kind of would expect a little bit of profit taking, but maybe, maybe irrational exuberance is here. Um, the other thing is the commercial real estate market is not looking very good right now. And all the banks are connected to it because they own all the mortgages on all this commercial real estate in Manhattan, San Francisco, Portland. Nobody's coming back to build to the buildings. Everybody's staying out of the, out of the cities. Everybody moved out and all these, all these banks have a huge potential liability on their hands in the next 12 to maybe 48 months, something like that. If nobody's renting all this commercial space, like in Manhattan, I think it's 32nd street where there's a whole, there used to be a row of like every conceivable brand on earth. And in the last year and a half, everything's empty. And all the people, if there's nobody there shopping, there are no people there to go see. It's like the city needs the people, but if nobody's there, it becomes this cash 22. You know? That's a, a great point, Glenn, with the uh, with the work at home. And even though some people want some companies are asking employees to come back in the office, there's still uh, a glut of unused office space. Uh, so that's a great point. And G Gordon uh, wanted to jump in here. Go ahead, Gordon. Uh, as far as uh, sectors uh, that I'm avoiding, uh, I'm avoiding the bond sector, uh, utilities, banks, and uh, some of these more conservative stocks that pay high dividends. Uh, such as uh, Altria, um, which is a tobacco company, 
typically that has an interest rate of about eight uh, percent. I just feel that um, people are moving out of these dividend stocks and shifting into growth. So that's a sector that I'm currently avoiding right now. Well, I was just going to say that that's interesting because uh, with the uh, with with all the momentum having come from the tech companies. Um, I've been expecting a little bit of the opposite, that we get a little broadening and, and going into some of these uh, uh, dividend players that, that really haven't got the valuations like some of the other companies right now. And, and what were you going to say about the bonds, Gord? Uh, as far as bonds are concerned, um, I had some bond funds, and um, I've been a little bit disappointed about them because uh, even though at that time when I invested, the, the dividend was fairly attractive, but what I noticed was as time went on, they would actually cut the actual dividend. And as the face value of the bonds dropped, typically you would get a higher interest rate, but that wasn't the case. They would actually cut that interest rate as well. So the return overall uh, wasn't very good. That's interesting you bring that up. I was actually, for some reason, looking at a bond fund today and uh, I noticed it and I uh, so I dug into it a little bit and it was only paying like um, less than 2%. And, and then I looked at their holdings and they have all these holdings with, you know, bonds that are paying 5%. I'm like, why would I buy this fund and, and collect 2% when I can go buy the bonds and collect 5%? And, and I think actually there is some opportunity in bonds right now because as interest rates come back down, the value of the bonds will go up as well. Um, so I, I've actually been thinking uh, about going into some bonds, but not into a fund and directly into some bonds, uh, probably some like midterm two and three year bonds that you can get a good five, five and a half percent. Um, and then you might have some upside on the value as well as interest rates come back down over the next year or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, that's a possibility. Um, I was actually investing in that just for more of a stable income. But what I realized that the bond funds that I was investing in were averaging about 4.5 to 5.25%, and it's liquid where I can take it out whenever I want. But what I also noticed was just the normal money market fund uh, from a government money market fund from Fidelity was paying 4.75% just automatically. You, if it wasn't cash, they would just pay you the 4.75%. And that was just way more attractive than putting it in a bond fund where the value somewhat fluctuates. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. And uh, um, certainly the liquidity of the money market and the rates you can get if you find the right money market right now are, are uh, very attractive. John, did you want to add anything? You're, 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 you're our ex-banker, and I, I saw you shaking your head in agreement with a lot of this. Yeah, I, I agree completely with Glenn. Um, uh, and on these podcasts before, I've expressed my concern for commercial real estate market uh, going back, you know, the last six months or longer that we've been doing these. But I would add to Glenn's remark about um, the banks that hold the mortgages. Don't forget about the REITs, the REITs, and um, when I was in banking, um, we were making a lot of short-term construction loans, but the longer-term loans on those office buildings would be purchased and held by insurance companies. 
So be aware if you own insurance companies, if you can if you can find out what their portfolios are like, I bet there's quite a number of them that hold some long term um, uh, real estate loans on office buildings. Why were the insurance companies getting into the real estate business? Uh, for the purpose of matching uh, long term uh, rates. Uh, that they were receiving with um, rates that they were funding it with. And they just needed longer term assets to hold, just like banks. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it just, you know, they're not, they, it, they get a higher interest rate on it. And, um, you know, if you're well secured, it's a, it's a nice asset to hold. But, you know, if you have a pandemic and yeah. nobody's nobody's paying the rent or nobody's coming in to to uh, it's a it's a different story. So yeah, just, that just is like, a great point, John. We yeah. everybody's been talking about the banks and the concern over banks and and uh, and and their uh, uh, the, the amount of deposits they have and the, the pain that could still come in banks, but nobody's really mentioned the insurance companies. So. Great, uh, great point. Something to think about and dig into. I know I hold a little bit of insurance companies and uh, I'll have to do some investigation now myself. I, oh, I mentioned, go one, ahead, Glenn. One, one last thing. So Warren Buffett's largest holding is Berkshire Hathaway. Isn't that an insurance company? Right. Well, Berkshire Hathaway is a holding company a holding that holds company. a bunch of other companies. But he does have a giant insurance company, doesn't he? Is yeah, he insurance, has reinsurance. Yeah, yep. I mean, and that's yeah. and he uses that free cash, right? And that's yeah. what he makes the other investments. Yeah, but he could be vulnerable, like you're saying, to commercial real estate because he has that part of his portfolio kind of exposed to it. If if, if his insurance companies have that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Most most insurance companies, I I believe, hold. Um, mortgages, um, a lot of them on office buildings, because traditionally it's been a pretty good asset to hold. But um, you know, insurance companies are pretty conservative too. I mean, real estate may be a very small percentage of their overall uh, investment portfolio. They, they, you know, if you look at what Buffett's doing, probably most of what he's doing is in, in treasuries. But, but, you know, they all have a little bit of, of real estate in there. You just want to make sure that they don't have a lot. Okay. Well, that's what happened to AIG back in like 2008, right? They had all the mortgage-backed securities and they were taking basically a rubber stamps thinking they were, it was triple, triple A and they didn't know exactly what they were signing off on and it, it tanked them too, right? It was cascading effect. Yeah. It all went bust. Yeah. Precisely. I, I want to add uh, an area that I, I mentioned I have a concern in. We haven't talked about this yet, but I've uh, I've, I've been a, a believer in uh, some of the um, the old auto companies because of their conversions to electric vehicles, and I believe there's a lot of value in companies like Ford and GM and even Stellantis. But I am very concerned about that group right now because of pending uh, union um, negotiations. Uh, the union has come out and they are are really bent on getting more for their people. Um, they are taking a different uh, view and they're, they're, there's a new leader who says, you know, we're just not going to accept the same old things. And uh, I think they're going to try to make a point in this negotiations that are just started. They just started yesterday. The contracts expire in uh, September, I think at the end of the month of September. So it's going to be a, a couple month process here. 
but I'm uh, really concerned about the uh, the auto companies. Not not so much what they end up giving up, but the uh, the losses that they could see if there is strikes, and there there could be a strike. Um, we hope not, but I think the stocks will be under pressure over the next two months of of, of Ford, GM, and Stellantis, and uh, they all had a recent pretty decent little run. I think they have a lot more in the tank in the long term, but I'm uh, I, I'm in caution. I, I sold a number of my positions and or I put some puts on to protect those positions because um, I have a lot of concerns over what might happen in the next two months. So um, just wanted to throw that out there. Well, with inflation being high, I guess the auto workers want their piece too, right? They're just like everybody else. Yeah, and, and they're all going to be reporting here in, in the next few weeks, and uh, I just can't see them coming out with a glowing report about how great they're doing when they have to go into negotiations. So, um, moving on, um, we've we've talked a lot about uh, areas of concern, but, you know, the airlines and the cruise lines are doing better now than just about ever, it seems, and Delta just reported a great, great quarter this morning. Um, how are you guys feeling about the, uh, the the travel industry, airlines, the cruise lines? They've been on fire. Uh, can it continue? Any investors there? Yeah, it, it's um, it, it's kind of a uh, well, it's doing well, and um, it's it's uh, cyclical in a lot of ways, um, seasonal in a lot of ways too. I just added Booking.com to my fund. Uh, in a 5% position. And uh, I think travel is going to continue. I think the economy, if it continues to do well, people are traveling. Um, a lot of pent-up demand still from the pandemic. Um, so I, I, I think um, I think it'll continue to do well. Booking.com has just done amazingly well in the last year. They were like at 1,200 and now they're at 28 or something. They're going over 3,000. It's just astounding. And they're one of the original web companies from back in the day, you know, all the way back then, right? That, so when it was Priceline, that's one that really helped yeah. uh, my portfolios out for, for a long time. Yeah. Because uh, I, I jumped on it after they crashed and the dot-com crashed and, and I liked what they were doing. Yeah. So it's 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 amazed me that um, I got out of it a few years back, but it's amazed me how that just keeps growing and growing, and I, I should have held on to some of it. So yeah, yeah. Anybody have any other thoughts on on that? Anybody feel like it's toppy now with where it's at? Well, during the pandemic, the airlines and the cruise ship companies all called uh, their fleets of airplanes and boats, so they got rid of the under underperformers. It gave them an advantage to basically clean out everything they didn't need. And now they're already building new cruise ships and new airline. Or I know you like you're into Boeing. Now Boeing's getting more more contracts maybe for the next generation of airlines, right? So they have a big backlog. That's the way I'm playing it. Is I, yeah. I like Boeing better than any of the uh, airlines or the cruise lines at the, at, the, at the valuations that most of them are at right now. All right, if we could wrap this up with one last question and go around the horn and get everybody's opinion, uh, where where would you put new money to work today? Who wants to start with that one? I'll take it, Tony. All right, Kyle, thank you. So one stock I like, one company I like is DraftKings. Um, DraftKings, they've done tremendously well this year. I think they're up a little over 30%. But the key, le they have legislation and 
or just about every state where you know the sports betting is not legal. A lot of the daily fantasies already legal, where they they've been making plenty of money. I think they maybe only have 15, 20 states where the sports betting is legal, but they have legislation on the ticket coming up pretty much everywhere. I expect that to continue to get approvals throughout most states. Um, but not only that, you know, this is a good time to buy because we kind of there's not as many sports going on right now from a, a heavy betting perspective. But as we get back into football, basketball season, as those states come on board, I really expect their revenues to continue to increase. Uh, so, so DraftKings is one that I really like. Good, uh, good choice. Sir. I've kind of been playing it through some casinos uh, myself. Uh, so I, I, good call there. DraftKings has uh, been running a little bit here recently. Um, Gordon, are you uh, are you ready to jump in with a with a where you put your money? Sure, sure. Um, this morning, I I started to enter a position in Zoom, and um, I think it's been beaten down quite a bit. I think during the pandemic, um, it was really high. I think it was priced at around two fifty or so, and now this morning it's down to about seventy. Uh, it hasn't been doing much in the last month or so, and I think a lot of people just thought that well it's slowing down and we're not in a pandemic anymore so there's not going to be that much demand uh, for video communications but I, I think that zoom is somewhat a little undervalued I, I believe that they are a leader um, it's one of the first choices that people want to use for video and um, I think they can continue to grow the market even after the pandemic and so um, it may not move that much in the next 12 months or so, but I think it's a good time to get in and maybe in about two or three years, uh, hopefully it'll double. That's an uh, interesting pick, uh, Gordon. I, uh, you made some great points and it just reminded me of uh, one that I was listening to somebody speak about uh, earlier today or last night being a DocuSign, kind of a similar story with uh, the boom that it had during the pandemic and now it's really pulled back and been consolidating here so just reminded me to look at that one too mm -hmm. yeah I, I think DocuSign is a leader also and they, they don't just do documents to sign they're actually creating different services to streamline contracts and for someone like a lawyer or, or a law firm um, that's gonna just speed up so much time and um, make it a lot more cost effective and that's something that we haven't quite seen yet but they're they're working on it and that could be uh, a really great uh, revenue revenue generator for them you're right on because you just jogged my memory again now it was an interview with the ceo that i'm thinking that i just heard and uh, he was talking about that how they're actually trying to replace notarization by uploading ids and being able to do all that right online. So great point. I'm glad you added uh, that to that. Uh, thank you, Gordon. Uh, John, are you ready to give us a give us a pick here? Yeah, I think to echo my previous remarks about um, uh, large cap growth and how well it's been doing and how I think it'll continue, I'd recommend the Schwab US Large Growth ETF, uh, which is a ticker uh, S C H G 
and um, it's done very, very well this year. And um, I think over the next, you know, looking at it longer term, the next five to seven plus years, I think it'll do really well. It's a little tech heavy um, because that's where you see a lot of growth these days. But still, I think um, I think it'll be um, a, a good investment a little bit longer term. I like that, too. And uh, for those listeners that uh, have limited choices in 401ks, there's normally either like the Schwab large growth fund or something like that. And um, I, in, in uh, my personal 401k, I know I have a, a allocation to a fund like that right now. So I like it. I like it. Glenn, what are you thinking? Uh, actually, John talking about Schwab, making me think of actually two. One is uh, the S&P SPY. Uh, the S&P high income EFT. That's the one. That's the one. So that pays 12% as a dividend, which I find amazing. Uh, that would be my long-term pick just to have some cash coming in. And I have to admit that Oracle has been on my brain for, the, for a while. It's actually up 40% year to date. And they have one and a half percent dividend. And what I've seen with software in the last couple of years is that when it comes down to it, enterprise software is something people can't get away from. And they always need it. And Oracle is one of those things that's like Microsoft. It's just embedded in a company and it costs more to get rid of it than it does to just keep paying Larry Ellison's fee every year. So Oracle is probably what I put money into. I still think they have some headroom. They're probably going to go up to 200 over the next 12 months. It's uh, been, a, been a sleeper, um, but I've heard a yeah. lot of positive comments about Oracle. And I, I thought both you and John, were, as you brought up the name Schwab, we're just going to talk about the Schwab company, uh, because that certainly has been beaten up with regional um, banks. Um, and I bought some of that a little while back, and it's, it's starting to move. So I, I like Schwab, but I also like my real pick for today would be, as I mentioned earlier, Boeing. Um, they're reporting here in a couple of weeks. I think they've been doing some consolidating. The orders they have are phenomenal. And I think we're going to see uh, see them explode uh, by the end of the year here um, and see some great returns off of them. So, gentlemen, I, I thank you again for another great uh, uh, podcast of Ring the Bell with the Masters of Marketocracy. Look forward to speaking to you all again soon, and we will sign off now with that.